0: In the next installment in season reviews for the Detroit Pistons players of the 2022-2023 season, we're going to be diving into third-year player Isaiah Stewart, who had a bit of an up-and-down season, but overall, would you call Isaiah Stewart's season a successful season? We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons Podcast. Per usual. I am your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter. At Kuka Hill, I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's PricePix.com. Use promo code Locked On. In today's episode, later on, we'll be talking about Marvin Bagley's season, reviewing his season, and then even further into the podcast, we'll be reviewing Eugene Amarui's season with the Pistons. Um, didn't play a full season with the Pistons, obviously, um, but we've, we'll review how he played in his time with the Pistons. But first up, we're going to be going over Isaiah Stewart, and if you're looking to listen to any of the other season reviews over the last three episodes, I believe we've done Jay and Ivy, we've done Jalen Duran, we've done a few of the veterans, we've done Alec Burks. Um, so if you want to hear to any of those guys, uh, their reviews, listen to the last few podcasts. I have those already up there for you guys. Um, well, like I said, let's start with Isaiah Stewart. So Isaiah Stewart, I think, had a bit of an up-and-down season. And there's another Piston player that I really think had a similar type of season to Isaiah Stewart. We'll talk about him in a future episode. Um, but Isaiah Stewart played 50 games this year. He dealt with an injury to his shooting shoulder, um, I believe. Uh, It was a shooting shoulder. But either way, one of his shoulders dealt with an injury and missed a lot of games this year. Um, Didn't close the season out for the Pistons. And the big thing for Isaiah Stewart this season, the big thing that we all were waiting for, the big thing that the coaching staff, the front office, Isaiah Stewart, they all hyped up and talked about was his outside shooting. This season, he played exclusively at the four. Um, He usually played with another big in the starting lineup, um, or even when he came off the bench, he was usually playing with another big. And the whole point of his season this year was to find out, could he space the floor out? Because when you look at some of its other numbers, the other numbers stayed the same. He still had somewhat of the same struggles. Around the rim, he was in the 28th percentile. He still struggles to finish the basketball. Um, he's not. He, he'll never be like an ISO type of player or anything. Um, but the finishing around the rim didn't get any better. The dunker spot stuff didn't get, really get any better. Him as a screener didn't get that much better. But all of that stuff didn't matter because what the point of this season for Isaiah Stewart was to find out could he be an outside shooter. And again, like I said earlier, it was a bit of an up and down season. So for the first 25 games of the season for the Detroit Pistons, Isaiah Stewart shot 38% from deep on 4.2 attempts a game. Really damn good. If Isaiah Stewart was able to shoot that throughout an entire season, he'd be one of the best stretch bigs in the entire NBA. 38% of four attempts is nothing to sneeze, out, sneeze at. It's not Steph Curry or anything, but it's definitely a legitimate stretch big that guys would have to respect and could space the floor out some, and he would be respected. So if he could shoot like that for a whole season, again, it would be really good. However, the problem is, is that it really fell off the deep end the next 25 games of the season for Isaiah Stewart right after this. Um, For the next 25 games of his season, now this is literally half and half. He played 50 games. So the first half of his season, 38%. The second half of his season, he shot 26% from deep on four attempts, which is really, really bad. So the the question that you need to ask yourselves and the question that the Pistons front office have to ask and the question that, that Isaiah Stewart needs to find out is, am I closer to the shooter I was for the first 25 games of the season or am I closer to the shooter... That was the final 25 games of the season. Because if he's closer to the shooter he was for the first 25 games of the season, it's much easier easier to see a role from him moving forward. If he's closer to the shooter that he was the back 25 games of the season of his season, it's it's a little bit tougher. It's tough to find what exactly his role is for the team moving forward. Outside of mentioning he's the heart and soul, like actual basketball reasons, it will be tough to find a role from him if he is going to be a 24% three point shooter for a whole season. So you got to find out where he is closer to, first half or second half. And I know something that, that fans have been holding on to, and I'm not saying it, it is or it isn't a legitimate excuse, but that he had a shoulder injury that we heard after the season happened around the Golden State Warriors game that happened on January 4th. Um, from January 4th and on, he shot 26% um, from deep. If you go before that game, Excuse me. If you go before that game, that's 33 games. He sh- he shot 36. percent So it's very reasonable. And so it it is possible that the shoulder injury had a big effect on whether uh, on his outside shooting. That is, it's a it's, it's very possible that could be the case. However, I think the if you want to be you know if you want to look at it a different way, if you just look at the few games before. If you look at the nine games before the the shoulder injury around Golden State, the nine games before that, he was shooting 28% from deep. So I've seen some people argue that he was just regressing towards the mean and that people are overvaluing the shoulder injury. I don't know which side you want to be on. You can choose. I'm not here to tell you guys which side to be on with that. What I'm here to tell you guys is Isaiah Stewart's entire season was built on this three-point shooting development. And for the first half of the season, you saw legit, legit, uh, reason to believe that he could be an outside shooter in the back half of his season, you didn't see that. It, it was pretty painful to see him shoot outside shots for the back half of his season, which is tough to see. Um, so they need to figure out which one it is, and if Isaiah Stewart wants to have, have a legitimate role in this team moving forward, he has to make sure he's closer to that 38% rather than closer to that 26%. Other areas of his season, I mean, I know there's some people who are higher on Isaiah Stewart than I am, but overall... I don't really think anything else really popped off the screen for me uh, with Isaiah Stewart this season. Um, he shot four, 54% on twos on less attempts. Um, that's that's still less than his rookie season when he shot 59%. Last season he shot 52%, so it went up a little bit on less volume. He still struggled to finish around the rim. Um, we did see a little bit of flashes with him attacking closeouts and getting to the rim and, and dunking the basketball. We saw a few of those things happen. Um, we did see him attempt. To try and make reads off the dribble, it didn't always end in the right result. It didn't always end with an assist. It did end in turnover sometimes. But the idea, the, the fact that he's simply looking for that kind of stuff off the dribble, is good to see that he has that kind of processing to know that's the read I have to make. Just does, does he have the skill to make these passes? Does he have the skill to make these plays? I guess we don't really know yet. So, I, I you know I don't know where to stand with Isaiah Stewart's season because you saw some flashes. But then you still saw some of the same struggles. You saw some inconsistencies, and it it really is just which which part of the season do you want to believe? Do you want to believe the first part of the season? Do you want to believe the second part of this season? It's it's tough. So I I, I'd say that I'm higher on Stu now than I was last year because 25 games of 38 from deep is enough of a sample size for me to think okay maybe he is that. Because that's a lot more of a sample size than we've had at any other point of his crew When he starts shooting threes and people start saying he's a stretch big, twenty five games is not a, a crazy sample, but it's an okay sh- a sample to to say okay maybe he has that in him. So I'm I'm higher than I am than I was a year ago on him, but I'm still very undecided on him. And it's it, it was just a very up and down season for him. So I'm interested to hear where you guys feel. Or how you guys feel about Isaiah Stewart's third season in the NBA. Do you guys feel higher on him? Are you guys lower on him? Do you guys believe in the three-point shot? What about some of the other stuff that he flashed? Do you guys Are you guys discouraged by some of the struggles he still has? Just let me know your guys' overall thoughts about Isaiah Stewart uh, and his season in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Cooker Hill. Coming up. We'll talk about Marvin Bagley's season, another guy who dealt with injury for the entirety of the season and had a little bit of an up-and-down season. We'll talk about Marvin Bagley's season when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors. This one, I've got to tell you guys about Price Picks. So, the NBA playoffs is out. And I believe while I'm recording this podcast, the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Clippers are playing. And in this game, let's say you want to take the over in Kawhi Leonard's points. You want to take the over in Kevin Durant's points. You want to take the over in Chris Paul's assist. And just for fantasy's sake, let's say the NFL just so happened to be on. You want to take the over in someone's passing yards across the league. Well, you can do that. You can put it into the exact same entry with price picks, and it's why it's my favorite fantasy option out there. You pick two two to six players to see if they score more or less on their price picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people is just you versus the projections available. PrizePicks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and believe it or not, there's more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals, currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PricePix app or go to PricePix.com to sign up and play daily fancy sports today. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKED ON and sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100 with PricePix. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, Let's go ahead and get into Marvin Bagley's season um, with the Detroit Pistons this year. Marvin Bagley is an incredibly interesting player for the Pistons. And excuse me real quick. It's extremely hot in my room. If you guys are living in Michigan, it's getting it's getting hot in our terms. So um, let me, I need to go ahead and take a drink of water real quick. I went down – when I went down to Miami a few years ago, man, how hot it is down, down in Florida, I feel like I was melting every day. I couldn't even enjoy it. So imagine how I am when it's – quote-unquote hot in Michigan like dude I'd be dying Um, but anyways let's move on from that Marvin Bagley another season that was just incredibly uh, I kind of want to say it was underwhelming to be honest and the biggest reason was he failed to hit 50 games played again he has not played over 50 games in the season since his rookie season in Sacramento where he played 62 games his second season, 13 games. Third season, 43 games. Fourth season, 48 games. And now his fifth season, 42 games. Now a lot of people will say, "Cool, he's just having freak injuries." You know, it's part of it. He can't, he can't help it. And I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying Marvin Bagley's going out there and trying to get hurt. Obviously, he doesn't like to get hurt. He doesn't want to get hurt. He's not trying to get hurt. And I feel bad for him that he constantly is hurt. It's nothing he can, it doesn't seem like there's really anything he can control. But no matter how much people want to say yeah, that it's, it's like a fluke injury or something he can't control or it's just random, after once you have five years of evidence of quote unquote random injuries or quote unquote fluke injuries, once you have five years of that happening each and every year, at a certain point, it's not fluke. At a certain point, it's not random. It's you're injury prone, and you can't be trusted to play a lot of games. And I think that right there is my biggest takeaway from Marvin Bagley's season. We'll dive into some of the other stuff, obviously. But my first and biggest takeaway from Marvin Bagley's season is that Troy Weaver gave him a three-year contract fully guaranteed. But we've seen from Troy Weaver with in free agency, we've seen him give guys contracts with team options on the back on the last year. The one guy he did not do this with was the one guy that can't be trusted to play over 50 games. And the first year of that contract that's fully guaranteed, he again did not reach 50 games played. So that's my biggest takeaway. If you're going to be paid that type of money, if Torrey Weaver, you're going to give this guy a fully guaranteed contract, you better hope he plays at least 60 70% 70 of the games. And Marvin Bagley has not been able to do that, which is why when the When they made the signing, it was even puzzling then. You guys remember I mentioned it. It was even puzzling back then because he hadn't been he hasn't proven he was able to play or stay healthy. So again, that's my biggest takeaway because if you're gonna have that kind of contract, you have to be on the floor. you You just have to play. You gotta play, and he wasn't able to do that again for the fifth straight year. So question is, will he ever be able to play that many games? or is this just something he's always going to be like? So that's the first question I have from Marvin Bagley season. Outside of that, why I call, Why I call Marvin Bagley such an interesting player, is that in in spurts this year, he actually really impressed me in spurts. He had some of his re, his rebounds went down. He averaged six point four rebounds a game. That's the lowest of his career, but that also goes with the amount of minutes he's playing, um, the lamps that he was playing with. He was playing with another big a lot of the times. Um, again, also really majority to do with the minutes that he was played this year. Um, But despite that, I felt like at multiple points this season, he really was fighting on the glass, more than I had seen him at any other point in his Piston tenure. I really thought at times he was really trying hard defensively. I had a video breakdown I did, I believe in December, showing him fight over screens and fight on post-up positions, on defense, pushing guys out. Um, There were spurts where I really felt like Bagley was trying. It wasn't perfect all the time. It wasn't good all the time. But I saw a, a much improved effort on the defensive side of the floor when it came to rebounding when it came with being physical and playing bigger than he was playing strong down low there were spurts where he did that and that impressed me that impressed me I wanted to give him credit for that the problem is the reason why it's interesting and not actually like why I would say good is because while yes you saw the increased effort it didn't always produce results it didn't always come with good results which is you can take that as a, an improvement in the right direction that it's, that the effort's getting better, or you can say the effort's getting better and we're still not getting results, that's a, that's a red flag. Again, I'll let you guys decide where that's at there. But I, I was intrigued by the fact that he was giving more effort than I've seen from him defensively. Then offensively, especially towards the end of the season, um, Marvin Bagley was a great finisher last year for the Pistons. This year he was an 87th percentile around the rim. Look, this is something that will never change about Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley is one of the best finishers in the entire NBA. If, if you get him the basketball around the rim, he's either finishing it or he's getting fouled almost 99% of the time. He's an incredible finisher without really using his right hand. He's just an incredible finisher. He's very fast off the ground. He's very athletic. Um, he's crafty around the rim. So that's something that will never change. He has his weaknesses, but yet again, he proves that he's one of the best finishers in the entire NBA. And I, I'm sure a lot of people would say, that if Cade Cunningham played throughout the year or in, in and wasn't, wasn't hurt all year, Marvin Bagley maybe has a better season because Marvin Bagley had incredible chemistry with Cade and maybe Marvin Bagley gets a reduced role where he's simply only a pick-and-roll guy with Cade and he's able to just master that role like we talked about with Diallo. Once they gave him a role and let him master it, he took off. Maybe that would be the same thing with Bagley. Maybe if they just reduced his role if Cade was around, He would have been much better, Um, but Cade wasn't healthy for the whole year, and Marvin Bagley's most used post-up or most used play type was post-ups, and he was in the 14th percentile in the league, one of the worst post-up players in the NBA, so maybe that hurt him, not having Cade, but what I wanted to say was that at the end of the year, he really, really impressed me at the end of the year, I can't lie. And it makes Marvin, all this other stuff I've mentioned to you guys, I think you guys already can see why he's such a hard player to really get a feel for or try to see an outlook for. But then when you include this too, he's not a great rebounder. He's a good rebounder, I'd say, like maybe above average. He's not a good defender. He's not a strong screener. But at the end of the season, we started to see him flash. They started to play him with uh, Durant in the starting lineup. They started to see him play with Wiseman in the starting lineup, and he was playing that four position. And over the last 17 games of the season, he shot 52% from the field, 30% from deep, and he was averaging 14 points a game and 7.1 rebounds. And this is the big thing for me too, drawing 3.3 free throws a game during this stretch. If you go with the even shorter sample size over the final, you know, few games of the season, over the final nine games of the season, he shot 43% from deep. Now this is an incredibly small sample size, but we started to see him hit some shots from deep. And the, the fact, and again, it's small sample size, which is why he's such a, like, he's such a polarizing player because it is such a small sample size. But in those games he hit threes, you saw, like, if this player was able to hit outside shots, he's so he, he would become infinitely more valuable. If he's a guy who can't hit outside shots and is just a good finisher around the rim that struggles to play defense, it's hard to find a role for him that makes sense. That's worth it. But if Marvin Bagley is finishing around the basket and then also hitting outside shots, that's an incredibly viable offensive player and you can make it work then. Then it's worth it to have him on the floor despite his defensive concerns. And then maybe you go get a five guy to fit next to him to try to shore up some of his defensive concerns. So as you can see, while I'm talking about Marvin Bagley, I really just don't know where to come down with, with him. Like, I, I just don't know where to, I I don't know what I, how I should feel about Marvin Bagley. He's such a tough player, man. And a- another thing he showcased at the end of the season, his ability to attack guys off the dribble. He, that was actually incredibly impressive. For the final 17 games of the season, once he came back from injury, he was taking guys off the dribble from the perimeter, despite the fact that they weren't even guarding him. It wasn't like they were closing out hard on him. It wasn't like he was being guarded hard out on the perimeter. They were sagging off, and he was still regularly beating guys through the rim, drawing fouls at the rim, getting all the way to the basket, finishing. He has offensive talent. He does. He he has a ton of offensive talent. And if he was able to hit threes, if that final nine-game sample size was something that you could say, okay, maybe he can do that next season, maybe it's a reason to believe, then you can see – an incredibly viable offensive player. Maybe a 6th man off the bench for a team. A 7th man off the bench for a team that comes in just comes in and gets buckets. Excuse me. The problem is it just all happens in such small sample sizes with Bagley. And quite literally everything with Bagley is a small sample size. Because he can't play a large amount of games. Which is also, it's it's kind of unfair to him too. Because 40 games is not enough to get a real feel on a player. He, he he barely plays every year. And, and you, when he plays 40 games, you will have 20 games where he's like, okay, we can see a player there. And then he'll have 20 games where it's like, okay, we can see he finishes around the rim, but what else can he bring you? It's just everything's such a small sample size with him and since it's such a small sample size because of injury, and since, it's, since he struggles so much defensively to make an impact, it's just hard to bet on him being a role player moving forward. It's hard to see a definitive role for him moving forward. And th- that's just where I'm at with him. I, he showed me stuff. He made me somewhat of a believer at the end of the year that he maybe could have a real role on a team moving forward as an offensive player off the bench if he could hit some outside shots. And again, that attacking off the dribble and drawing free throws was really impressive. That's an incredible skill. But again, man, it's just everything's small sample size with him. And his injuries and defense at the end of the day, I think is going to hold him back. And, and until he proves otherwise... It's tough for me to really get like a definitive answer on him that that shows what he could be for a team moving forward, let alone the Pistons. So I, I'm very confused on Bagley, man. Like it's just he's a tough player. He, he's just a very, very tough player. Let me know how you guys feel about Bagley. Are you guys also confused on Bagley. Are you guys tough to you know really evaluate Bagley, where to come down with him as a player moving forward. Let me know all those thoughts in the comment section down below. Or over on Twitter at Cook Hill. Coming up, we'll talk about Eugene Amarui, the Pistons 10 day guy that eventually got a rest of the season contract. Did he play well enough to be on this team moving forward? To be on this team next season? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Built Bar. Looking for a delicious snack, but don't want all the sugar and calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. That's Built Bar. If you're like me, you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on the taste, I've got just the thing for you. Bilt Bar and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they taste so amazing, you won't think that they're good for you, but you have to try them. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Bilt does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy for you. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been telling you guys to go to Bilt.com to get your Bilt bars. But now you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club to get your specialty flavors uh, or to get Built Bars and you can still get the specialty flavors that you like at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream bar, double chocolate bar, or coconut puff. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors Brownie Batter Puff and Churro Puff. You can thank me later. Again, you can go to Sam's Club, you can go to Walmart, or you can go to Built.com to try the best-tasting protein bar ever. That's Bill Bar. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons, hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Before we get into Eugene Amarui's season, I just want to say on a few podcasts ago, the very last segment um, I gave you guys my predictions for the playoffs. And I told you guys to tell me your predictions for the playoffs in the comments. And a lot of you guys did. One of my predictions was, one of my predictions were the Memphis Grizzlies beating the Lakers and making the Western Conference Finals. And in the first game, John Morant has, it looked like he broke his hand to me. And I don't know if he's even going to play. If he didn't break his hand, I don't know if he's going to play. So now I'm already looking wrong. I had the Milwaukee Bucks going to the finals the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis gets hurt first first quarter of this game. He's out for the rest of the game. They lose. So my predictions aren't going so well. I'm just like the worst luck out there, man. I, I'm so sorry that I brought this black cat around these franchises by me betting on them or, or you know, picking them. So they can blame me. Anyone listening to this podcast that's fan of those teams, blame me. It's all my fault. Um, but anyways, I hope you guys are enjoying the playoff games, by the way. Um, Eugene Amaru, he played 17 games. With the Detroit Pistons. I don't have much to say about Eugene Amari Outside of this. Do I think he's going to be on this team next season? Probably not. He struggles to shoot. He's shooting 28% from his career. He shot 29% with the Pistons from deep. He struggles to shoot. He is a, a good defender. A physical defender. A physical wing. A big long wing. But he can't really shoot. And with the Pistons, with, with Troy Weaver coming out and publicly saying that they're going to go after their wing room, and that's something that they believe is at the top of their list of things they need to improve on, I highly doubt that one of the guys that they keep from that wing room is a 10-day guy that they converted for the rest of the year contract. I, I doubt that's the case. If they keep anybody, I have to assume it's Livers, and one more person, I have to assume it's Bojan. You can't say that you're going to improve your wing room, then keep three of the four guys that you were playing in your rotation. That, that, that just doesn't happen. So I don't believe he's going to be on the team next year. However, what I said about Eugene during the season is exactly what I'll say about him right now. I don't believe that he'll be on the Pistons next season, but I do believe he proved that he should be in the NBA. He is an NBA player. Some of the other 10-day guys that the Pistons have signed, like Braxton Key, um, Louis King, he was a two-way guy, um, Buddy Bayheim. What were some of the other two-way guys they've had over the few years? I I see their faces. I see their numbers, but I'm forgetting their names. Either way, a lot of the two-way guys, almost all of them that the Pistons have signed over the last few years, I didn't see them as an NBA player. I couldn't see them playing in the NBA. I thought they were a waste of two-way spots, to be honest. Yuji Namarui, he should be in the NBA. He has legit skills. He can finish around the basket. He's physical getting into the basket. He's physical defensively. He's a smart off-ball mover on the offensive end. He cuts really well. Um, He plays really hard. He has a, the NBA prototype body. All that stuff. He's a guy that should be in the NBA. I don't think he's going to be in a rotation, but at the very least, he should be a 15th, 14th, 13th, 12th guy on a roster. He should be. I think he proved that with the Pistons. I honestly would be shocked if he's not in the NBA somewhere. Again, not in a rotation, but I don't think the goal for a lot of these guys on 10 days, on two-way contracts, whatever is to become some superstar, become a rotational spot. I think what they would like at the end of the day, if you told them in 10 years what they'd like, is just a stable living in the NBA, stable contract, and to have a long career in the NBA. Now, obviously, they would love it if they became stars or main rotation pieces, but if they were able to be long-term NBA players that just had a steady contract and was on a roster continue, uh, consistently throughout the years, they that's what they would like. And I think that should be Eugene Amarui. Again, I don't know if he's going to end up being a player in the rotation for anybody but at the very least, I think for the Pistons, he did prove that he should be in the NBA somewhere. Um, because of, like I said, because of his defense, because of his prototypical body, he's a smart offensive player. And when he is hitting threes, he's a pretty damn good player on the offensive end. But he, he doesn't shoot threes very well. He doesn't do much with the ball in his hands. Um, you don't really want him to anyways, though. Um, but defensively, he's legit. Around the rim, he's legit for me. Um, very physical player, smart player, and I think he should be in the NBA somewhere. So I don't know if he's going to be with the Pistons next year, but I think this is just another list of guys and another, you know, check mark for Troy Weaver of him doing right by guys and giving them a chance to show off at the end of the season that that they deserve to be in the NBA, put some good stuff on tape and let them try out basically with the Pistons for teams across the NBA. The big example I always use is Dan Smith jr. Who's had a, who had a really good season for Charlotte. I think he's going to get a bag of uh, relative to his role, um, this off season, wherever he goes. Um, don't think that's going to happen for Amarui, but I think, think that he put enough on tape to where he's going to be in the NBA now. So I think that's going to end up helping Weaver in the long term. Um, eventually. We'll see how that works though. Um, let me know what you guys think about Eugene Amaru's season. Do you guys think he'll be on the team next year? Let me know all that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at KukaHill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on all your podcast platforms. Leave us a five-star review whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Hit that subscribe button at the YouTube channel. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. My goodness, it is hot as hell in my room. Until next time, I'll see you guys later. Peace out.